Atmosphere Church podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we want to make ourselves available to you in any way we can. If you need prayer or just someone to talk with, please send us an email to info at atmosphere.church. Someone from our team will be sure to connect with you. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. Some of you are like, what is happening? Why are we watching Elf at church? Well, you've come to a different kind of church, all right? So we're doing a series for the month of December called Christmas at the Movies. How many of you love a good Christmas movie? Come on. I'm not talking about Hallmark, by the way. Don't even get me started with Hallmark. Those aren't real movies. Well, I should say it's one movie, just repeated by different actors, <laughs> but with the same set. It's amazing they get away with that. But uh, yeah, it is, the, it is the Christmas season, and so we really want to approach it in, in a real powerful way, and I think there's no more powerful way to, to get into this than to play movie clips, because movies are really a modern day parable. And Jesus taught a lot about God's kingdom through storytelling, through parables. And so I, I think we're gonna, we're gonna have some fun with this. We're gonna use Christmas movies to tell the Christmas story. And every great Christmas movie has aspects of the gospel message tied into it. You may have not you know, caught it but hopefully after we get done with the series, you'll be able to go back and rewatch these movies from a whole new perspective. And so today, as you can imagine, we're talking about the movie Elf. Now, this is crazy to think about. Do you know when Elf was released to the theaters? 2003. How many of you feel like it was just a couple years ago? God, that was 16 years ago. I'm, I'm still having a hard time realizing that we are almost at 2020. I remember being a little boy going, well, that's going to be 2020. That's next year. That's crazy. Anyway, but we want to talk about Elf, and we want to talk specifically about experiencing joy, because I believe there's no character in any movie that personifies joy better than Elf does, Buddy the Elf. And Buddy the Elf, as, as you saw in that beginning clip, uh, if you haven't seen the movie, if you've been living in a cave somewhere and you haven't seen this movie, uh, I, I just will tell you the plot basically in a nutshell is this, this orphan baby gets in Santa's bag of toys and he finds his way to the North Pole and he's raised by elves for 30 years before he is reunited with his biological father and experiences New York for the first time. And so what we're going to do is we're going to play clips of the movie and we're going to unpack a biblical truth from each of these scenarios that we're going to play. And uh, just to kind of tee up the first one, uh, Will Farrell, who plays uh, Buddy the Elf, he steps in to New York City for the first time and, and you see just what kind of a guy he is. Go ahead and watch this. Oh, man, you, you have to love 
Will Ferrell's uh, uh, acting in that. It's just amazing because it is such a picture of joy. And I think so many people love Christmas time because it brings out the spirit of joy, and, and we maybe can't quite grasp it or, or put our, our, our hands around it, but we're like, we like this. We like to feel this way. And I want to take you to the gospel of Luke chapter 2, because in Luke chapter 2, which is the most famous Christmas chapter of our Bibles, and, and a lot of you maybe even have traditions within your family to read chapter 2, but in this chapter, we read the introduction of joy to Christmas. And it says in verses 11 or 8 through 11, it says, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So what we see is an angel telling the shepherds, look, there is a new way to experience life. Now that Jesus has come, now that Jesus has been born, you're going to be able to experience joy on a whole new level. Now, I think a lot of us need to understand what joy is. I mean, we sing about it, you know, joy to the world. We just sang that song together and we've even talked about it before in church. But I think it's good to kind of understand what joy is and how it compares to happiness. Happiness is more of an emotion. It's more of, you know, based on circumstances of what happens to you. So happiness, I say it this way, happiness is an emotion you feel while joy is an attitude you have. Happiness is happenstance. It's, it's circumstantial. And this is why it's impossible to maintain your happiness all the time. Why? Because you are not always going to experience the circumstances that you want to experience. We live in a broken world. Things don't always go the way you want them to go. Things don't always work out the way you desire them to work out. And so when that happens, you become unhappy. And so joy transcends happiness. Joy is another level of being able to experience God in the present world that we live in. So when Jesus came to this world, what he brought with him, he brought with him the presence of God. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says, in Jesus, we have the full representation of who God is and what God is like. So when Jesus comes to this world, the angels are saying, you guys are going to experience great joy for all people. He's telling us that we're about ready to transcend the ability to feel happy. In other words, our circumstances no longer are going to dictate to us how we live our lives. That you are able actually to be joyful even when you are not having circumstances go the way you want them to go. You choose joy. It's an attitude you choose. Let me put it to you this way. Some of you that are married in here, some of you that have been married in here, you know there are moments in your marriage 
where the person that you're married to is not being very lovable. Have you ever had a moment in your marriage like that? They're like, I don't like what she said to me. I don't like how he looked at me. I don't like the fact that he hasn't done anything for me lately. You have moments in your marriage, every marriage does, where you're just not feeling like your spouse is lovable. Now, in those moments, you can respond and say, they're not lovable, so I'm not going to love them. But a lot of times what we do, we, we see a bigger picture. And we choose to ignore some moments where our spouses are not being very lovable because the bigger picture is, hey, I'm going to give them grace here because I know that if I engage in this behavior right now, it's going to create a bad day. It's going to create a bad week. It may even create a bad year. You know what I'm saying? So in those moments, as a, as a married person, you say, I'm going to choose to love them in spite of how I feel towards them. You, you choose to love them. And I'm saying in the same way that we are to choose joy in some unhappy moments. And you have the capacity to be able to do that because of what Jesus has done for you. Now, with this in mind, there's reasons we want to choose joy. There, there, we, have, we have some really good reasons why we choose joy in some of these moments that we live with. And I put some of them on the screen. If you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. We choose joy because we've been forgiven. That Jesus coming to this earth, he's declared to us that we no longer have to live in the shame of the failures and mistakes that we have committed with our lives. That Jesus came to this world, he died for our sins so that we could be connected with God. So no longer are you living in the failure and mistakes of your past, that those failures and mistakes have been forgiven by what Jesus has already accomplished for you on the cross. So, so you choose joy because you look at your failures, your mistakes, and say, those things have been forgiven, and so I am going to transcend my emotion right now because I know that I've been forgiven. Here's the second reason, is you've been empowered. That with Jesus resurrecting from the dead, you have been given all the power you need to live the godly life God has created you and called you to live. You've been empowered beyond your own shortcomings, beyond your own abilities to live out the life that God has always wanted you and created you to live. You've been empowered. You've been given power that you don't have on your own to have breakthrough for your life, to receive the promises that God has for your life. And here's the third thing, is that you have been given a future, a a, a future that is full of hope, a future that is so much better than your current circumstances. Here's the reality. Not all of us in this room are experiencing bad circumstances. Some of you are, but some of you are experiencing pretty good circumstances. But nothing in this world, no amount of happy circumstances can compare with what we're going to experience when we go to heaven. We know this because the Bible kind of alludes to the fact that heaven is beyond any kind of description. Paul has a near-death experience. He says, I I can't even write into words the things that I've experienced. I've talked to you about people personally that I've known that have died, that have clinically died, flatlined, and come back to life and saying, it it is just unspeakable what we experience. It's just amazing, better and and more love than, than we've ever experienced in our entire lives. That's what's waiting for us. 
So as you go through these moments in your life where things are just not quite lining up the way you want them to, circumstances are, are less than perfect for your life, here's the good news. You have an amazing future waiting for you that it is true that your best is yet to come. Would you turn to your neighbor right now and declare that over their life? Say, your best is yet to come. Now, so think about this, church. Why wouldn't we be living with joy in our life? We've been forgiven. We've been empowered. We've been given a future that is eternal. Why wouldn't we want to be more like Buddy the Elf in our life? This is what Jesus has made accessible for all of us. So here's the first point, is that joy is a part of Christmas, Joy is a part of Christmas. And here's the second part, and that is joy is a part of our lifestyle. Go ahead and watch this clip. There's a code of conduct for elves, and, and Buddy wanted to live them out perfectly. You might say he was the ambassador for Christmas. Do you know that as followers of Jesus, we are called ambassadors? We are called to be the ones that put God on display for the rest of people to know what God is like. One of my favorite passages that I love to kind of understand, and, and, and it really changed my life and how I viewed myself as a follower of Jesus, was in 1 Peter 2.9. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That what stood out to me when I studied this particular verse was the priesthood part. Because see, a priest, by definition, is someone that puts their God on display. So any religion, any priest of any religion is somebody that is a representation of what their God is like. And so what Peter is proclaiming to us as followers of Jesus is we are his royal priesthood. We are the ones putting the code of conduct on display to a world so that they may know what our God is like. There's a code of conduct that we are to follow in order for people to understand what our God is like. The code of conduct is found right there in our Bibles. And see, what frustrates me is that a lot of us study the Bible, a lot of us memorize verses in the Bible, but we stop short of living that code of conduct out in our own life. It's frustrating for me to hear people that have scriptures memorized, but they don't even know how to be nice to the neighbor that lives next door to them. You know what I'm talking about? There comes a time that we have to stop teaching and we need to start showing. We need to take what we're learning Every week when we gather like this or when we go to life group and we have to ask ourselves a question, how can I apply this practically speaking to my life? Because what the world needs to know is not more Hebrew and Greek definitions. They need to know that the Jesus they read about in the Bible is real and the best, most effective way that they're going to know that Jesus in the Bible is real by seeing him real in your life. You know what I'm talking about. I, I realize something that we are way more educated beyond our level of obedience. I read that quote a couple weeks ago and it really resonated with me. We are 
already educated way beyond the level of our obedience. I'm all about biblical literacy, but biblical literacy without biblical lifestyle is, makes for an irrelevant life. You, you, you have to have the literacy, you have to understand the Bible, but at some point you're learning the Bible so that you can start living it out practically for your life because you are a royal priesthood. God has called you to follow him so that as you follow him, other people will want to follow you. Are you living a lifestyle out that other people actually look at your life and say, they have something in their life that is worthy of following myself? I, I tell you that over the last couple of months, I've been hearing God download some things to my heart. And one of the things that I heard clearly for probably the last six months was awaken my people. As, as I prayed for you guys as a church, as my family, as, as I prayed for our community, I just kept hearing them tell me, awaken my people. And it was getting me excited because I'm like, wow, Lord, I feel like, you know, in, in times past, there's these movements of God, these revivals that were called the great awakening. And I'm like, man, is God about ready to do like an, a, a new awakening and, and, and is he going to do it right here in the Conejo Valley? Is this maybe one of the reasons that God uprooted us from Vegas and moved us here? Because he's looking at bringing some reinforcements, because he's looking at doing something big, this awakening. That's all he kept telling me, awaken my people, awaken my people. And then I'm watching Kanye West the other day and what God's doing with that guy. And he said something on this uh, interview he did uh, with James Corden. He says, there's an awakening that is taking place. I'm like, I know, I feel it, and I hear God telling me this, and it makes sense to me that when so much evil is present in our nation, when so much evil is present in our world, God never lets that stuff go unchallenged. Matter of fact, when the enemy comes and raises up a standard and, and tries to flood our world with evil, God always equally and even more greater raises up a standard to fight and oppose that other thing that's trying to come in. Check this scripture out on Isaiah 59. It says, so shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. My friends, God is awakening us to a lifestyle so that people will know that Jesus is real and can change their life and can heal their brokenness and then he can actually restore their families. But it doesn't get activated until we start walking it out practically in our own existence. It's taking the stuff that we're learning and saying, God, how do you want to use me this week? And then you get a nudge. I call them nudges. But it's when the Holy Spirit just kind of whispers something to you like, go talk to that guy. Go pray with him. I was at the post office last week. And there was a guy sitting on his truck as I was getting the mail and you know, I see people all the time, but it was like one of those moments that I just stopped and I saw this guy in the Holy Spirit. I felt immediately said, go talk to him and pray with him. He needs prayer. And so I just went over there and said, hey, excuse me. I know you don't know me, but uh, you know, I, I just felt God send me over here. I don't know if you know anything about church or, or uh, you have faith in Christ, but I just feel this, this kind of leading to come over here and pray with you. And he goes, all right. I, at first, I thought you were oh, going to try to sell me something. And I go, no, I just, I'm here 
to just tell you God loves you and, and I want to pray for you. And I probably sat with the guy for 15 minutes, honestly. We had a good talk about life and I got to pray with him. It was beautiful. It was a, it was a moment I'm like, wow. And, and I started thinking after I was done in that moment of, of how many other opportunities that I'm passing by every day that I'm not being obedient to the nudges that God is giving me. See, the reason you're learning more about God is so that you can take this stuff that you're learning and start applying it to a broken world that is all around you. One of the most sobering realities hit me a couple weeks ago when a friend of mine that's on staff at another church here locally realized that the shooter from the borderline shooting lived 15 doors down from him. He had no idea. And he said, Jim, when I realized that that broken man that went and took the lives of 12 innocent people and, and just probably traumatized hundreds of people and, and really terrorized a whole community, had I known that that guy was living 15 doors down from me, I, I would have been a lot more active in trying to reach that neighbor. He is a literal neighbor to this guy, and it was bothering him. And I'm thinking to myself, how many of us are living next door to somebody that's going through some really dark stuff? And perhaps God moved you into that neighborhood specifically for that hurting guy, for that broken woman. But we have to activate a lifestyle in order to reach these broken people. And I'm telling you, if you do, if you're willing to get out of your own comfort zones, man, I'm telling you, we are going to see an awakening in our families. We're going to see an awakening in our neighborhoods. We're going to see an awakening in our community. I'm telling you, we're going to see our world completely changed. I, I, I was tripping out because I was with my father-in-law this week, and he's also a pastor. He'll be here in a couple weeks sharing with you guys. And, and, and we were just talking about these big movements of God that have happened in the past. And we started talking about the Azusa Street Revival. How many have heard of that in, in our history? In, in the early 1900s, in, in the streets outside of Pasadena, this Pentecostal movement started with this guy just this says, hey, let's fast and pray and see what God wants to do. And miracles started happening. Healing started happening. The, the Spirit of God was poured out in such a powerful way. Movements of God that are still actively moving today in our era started, began at the Azusa Street Revival. Well, fast forward to the early 1970s. There was another movement. It's now infamously called the Jesus People Movement. A bunch of hippies that were hungry for the truth of God's word that started giving their lives to Christ. I, I mean, churches were full, guys with no shoes on that were just coming up and getting saved. And I mean, God was moving a whole generation of people. And so my father-in-law and I were talking, and, and I was just saying, I was like, I just feel like we're on, on the cusp of a new movement. And isn't it crazy that the Jesus people movement of the 1970s was 50 years ago? And in biblical numbers, that is the year of Jubilee. That in the year of Jubilee, things become made brand new. That I believe that there is a remnant of the church that is fully awake, that God is about ready to pour out an extra 
just portion of a movement so that we could see an awakening like we've never seen before. Now, what I saw is I saw a combination of like the Azusa Street Revival meets the Jesus People movement, and a movement of power and a hunger for righteousness like we've never seen before. And then ironically, this message came on of this video that my father-in-law and I were watching together, and it was this prophetic voice. I, I, I believe it was this guy named Kim Clement. Uh, he's since been, uh, he's been uh, taken to heaven. And uh, he was given this, this prophetic word back in the early 2000s. He says, I predict and I see in the future a movement in California that is going to take the Azusa Street Revival and the Jesus People movement. And I see them coming together for God to do something he's never done before. And it's going to start in California. And I about jumped out of my skin because I'm like, that's what I keep hearing. But church, I want you to hear me. That it begins not with all of us together. It, it begins with us individually saying, I am making a step of faith and I'm going to begin living out a lifestyle that God has given us a code of conduct and all I have to do is be obedient to the things that he's telling me to do and watch, my friends, we are going to see the awakening happen. It's the code of conduct. It's the lifestyle even over the literacy that we're talking about. Now, let me go to the next clip here. I know him. See, for us as people of God, we get to say, Jesus, we know him. He lives in me. And it's a game changer. See, joy is part of knowing God. That as you know Jesus, you know joy. Because Jesus really is the manifestation of joy on this planet. Check out John chapter 15, verse 11. This is what Jesus says to his disciples. And this is what he's saying to us this morning. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full or complete. That a relationship with God is allowing you to move into a new capacity of joy that you don't have on your own. And it only is going to come into your life when you know him. And by knowing him, you will know joy. And check out what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. We talked about this when we talked about the love chapter and how it so overlaps with our relationship with God. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice what, what is the second description of the fruit of the Spirit. It's joy. Now, a lot of times we look at this particular scripture as like a checklist and how we're doing as a Christian. Like, am I doing this? Well, I need to be more loving. I need to be more joyful. I need to be more peaceful. I need to have more patience. And we look at that and like, uh, I need to do better at this. But really what this is, is not a checklist. It's a result list. This is when you are having a good relationship with God, when you're in relationship with him, when you know him, when you're spending time with him, these are the kinds of things that begin happening 
not just in your life, but from your life. You want more love in your life? You want to be a more loving person? Then climb more into that relationship you have with God. Know him more. If you, if you want to have more joy, know him more. You want to have more peace? Know him more. Because to the degree that you have your relationship with Jesus is the degree that you're going to experience more of this in your life. Does that make sense? So a lot of us, I mean, we, we would love more love and more joy, more peace and patience. It's found in a relationship with him. And, and this is not just a once, a once like over thing and, and, and like you make this decision, you check the box and like, hey, I have a relationship. But no, you have to be intentional to put yourself in the presence of God to start experiencing God more and more in your life. This is a moment by moment thing. This is something that you're choosing to say, I, I want more of the presence of God in this moment. And so a lot of times it's the distractions that are part of all of our lives. You're like, I'm going to choose to wake up early and I'm going to get into the Bible because as I'm getting into the Bible, I'm getting into knowing more of the heart of God and the more of the heart of God that I'm knowing, the, the closer I am to him and the closer I am to him, the more love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness is going to be happening for my life. It's about instead of listening to all this, this music that is all out there, you're like, man, I, I just want to listen to music that is going to take me into the presence of God. I'm going to listen to more worship music. Instead of like all of these friends that seem to be pulling me in all kinds of directions, I'm going to bring in a friend group that's actually going to help propel me more in my relationship with God. And it's like it's creating the space where you're saying, I want to know God more. And as you know God more, more of this stuff will start happening for your life. The amazing thing is, when you're putting Jesus first in your life, what you saw with Buddy the Elf as the movie concludes is that he begins helping Santa. And it's in that helping relationship with Santa that you see the relationship really blossom. And you see the value of the relationship. See, a lot of you, you know God. But maybe you've taken the relationship for granted and you could really see the value of your relationship with God when you begin serving other people. That God has actually wired you as a human to be a help for somebody else. And when you begin stepping into this place of helping other people and being God's representative and helping other people, then you start moving into a new level of joy for your own life. Because you are helping that other person with God connecting with you. So you're helping that person as God is filling you up. You're helping that other person. Matter of fact, I like to say joy like this. Jesus first, other second, yourself last. If you want to move into a new realm of joy, then I encourage you to live your life like this. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. Because when you start living this way, more joy will start happening for your life and from your life and through your life for other people. But I'm telling you, Christmas is something that we love. And I believe a lot of it is because of what that spirit is all about. It's about joy. And as, as we start experiencing that joy, 
in our own life. We want more of it. We're like, wow, that's why Christmas seems to be celebrated longer and longer. And it seems like the stores are rolling it out earlier and earlier. I was somewhere this summer in July and they had their Christmas stuff out. I'm like, are you kidding me? What is going on? But, but it was like a, a rhema for me. It was like a, a, a reality check. Like, wh- why are we trying to make the Christmas season longer and longer? Because there's something about it that just feels so good. And I'm here to tell you that part of Christmas that we all love, and that, that's why we want it to last as long as we can make it last, is, is the joy factor. And it's something that God wants us to experience, not just December 1st to December 25th. He wants us experiencing it all the time, January through December. But the only way we can experience that joy, the way he wants us to experience that, is through a relationship with him. I'm going to have the worship band come on up. And I just want us to stand. Would you just stand with me? And and we just want to end our time with, with this prayer and, and our response time with God. Fathers, we stand just to, just to respond to the things that, that you said to our hearts this morning. I, I, I want to pray for us. That, Lord, there are some circumstances here that are awful. Maybe a relationship circumstance, a financial circumstance, a, a health circumstance. But, but as we look at our circumstances, it's not good. Father, I pray that that through this message, through this idea of joy, that, God, your joy, which transcends our own ability to be happy, God, would be completely felt here this morning. The Lord, as some of us are wrestling around with maybe our code of conduct and as we're evaluating the choices that we've been making with our life, that it's kind of convicting And even though we have Bible verses memorized and we can rattle off different meanings of passages, we're not living it out. And Lord, I know there are some people that that are here this morning that just feel so far from you. They just want to know you, God, but they just feel so distant from you. I pray that God in in this time this morning, God, that your presence would just come and fall on this place so that every heart in this room right now could feel the manifestation of the great joy that the angels proclaimed thousands of years ago. That your joy may be felt right here, right now by the presence of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way with us as we worship you, as we honor you, as we, as, we, as we give you room to have your way with our lives. Come and meet with us in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? 
You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes podcast, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at www.atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click on the tab that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time, we pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.